0: CHAPTER TWENTY As I stood staring at the gleaming silver blade, there was a knock on the den door. It swung open. "'Dad!' I cried gratefully. He was standing there in baggies, striped pajamas, confusion on his face. Lizzie, Who are you talking?' He stopped when he saw Justin. He stared at him, then turned back to me. "'Dad?' I said. "'This is Justin Stiles. Justin? Dad?' "'Hello, Mr. McVeigh,' Justin said. He sat the letter opener back down on the desk. It's kind of late for visitors, isn't it? Dad said. He smiled when he said it. He always smiled when he caught himself sounding like a parent. I was so glad to see him. I didn't care about his sounding like a parent. I felt like hiding behind him. I'm sorry to bother you, Justin said. There is something I needed to ask Lizzie about, and I didn't feel I could wait until tomorrow. I see, Dad replied, yawning. Well, have you asked her? Justin looked back at me, then back at Dad. Yes, he said. Asked me what? He hadn't asked me a thing, except about the police. My heart was still racing. Well, then, maybe you two can continue this conversation tomorrow? I laughed, even though there was no good reason to. He's just leaving, I told Dad. Come on, Justin, I'll show you out. I ushered Justin to the front door, but he lingered there, refusing to leave. We turned and looked back at Dad. He gave us a wave from the den doorway, then padded into the kitchen. I could tell he was rustling around in there, waiting for Justin to go. Thanks for coming over, I said quickly. Talk to you tomorrow. I was talking loud enough for Dad to hear. Justin stared at me. Finally, he said, yeah, tomorrow. I watched him walk down our front steps, down the path, and disappear into the dark. Then I closed the door, locked it, and leaned my head against the door. My father came out of the kitchen and stopped on the landing, staring at me. He left, I told him with more relief than he could possibly imagine. My father nodded, then he started slowly upstairs. Had Justin been about to stab me? Or had my overactive imagination taken charge again? I was overreacting. I had to be. Justin had certainly appeared nervous. And he certainly had more on his mind than he was able to say. But he couldn't have come over to stab me with a letter opener. That was just plain crazy, right? I sighed. I hadn't realized how tired I was until right then. Well, when you think you're about to get stabbed to death, it tends to make you wide awake. Now that I was relaxed again, I was exhausted. I went back upstairs, brushed my teeth, got undressed, and climbed into bed. I closed my eyes and nestled into my pillow. I threw my arm around my second pillow for comfort, my favorite sleep pose. Maybe I could get a good night's sleep for once. Tap. My eyes popped open in the dark. I strained to listen. What had I just heard? Someone at the door? At the window? Someone trying to get into my room? My chest was heaving as if I'd just run a marathon. Tap, tap. There it was again, and it was coming from the window. I reached over and flicked on my bedside lamp. Everything appeared normal enough. I got out of bed and walked slowly over to the window. I forced myself to look out, but with the lights on, I couldn't see a thing. Tap. I snapped my head back before I realized it was just a tree branch being blown by the wind. Just a tree branch but it looked like a skeleton's bony finger. I slipped back into bed, and the tapping continued. It was as if the branch were beckoning to me, tapping out a message, trying to tell me something. I was up all night. I didn't go out all weekend. I spent most of the time in my room, lying on my bed. On Saturday night, my parents and aunt were supposed to go to a dinner party, but my mom canceled so I wouldn't be alone. I objected, but not very hard. Every time the phone rang, I jumped. I kept expecting it to be Justin. Dawn called instead. I heard that Justin was at your house last night, she said. News travels fast. Some kids saw his car parked in your drive, Dawn explained. Shadyside was such a fishbowl. Everybody was always watching everybody else and finding out your business. Yeah, he came over, I admitted. I know that, Dawn teased. That's what I just told you. What I want to know is what he wanted. Good question. I have no idea. What do you mean? Just what I said. I have no idea what he wanted, he gave me the creeps if you want to know the truth. He was giving me a lot more than the creeps, coming toward me with that letter opener in his hand, but I wasn't ready to start spreading rumors and accusing him. At school on Monday I avoided him all day, it wasn't easy, I kept catching him staring at me. Once, between classes, I turned the corner of an empty hallway and almost ran right into him. Hi, I mumbled, then hurried on before he could say a word. Hey, he called after me, but I kept walking. When I got home from school, I found a letter sitting on my pillow. It was from Kevin. I tore it open. Guess what, the letter began. Dad finally gave in. You've got a date for the prom. I was laughing and crying at the same time. The prom. This Saturday night. It seemed like such a long time ago that I had even cared about it. Kevin didn't know what was going on, which made his letter seem even sweeter somehow. I held the letter against my cheek. If only Kevin were coming sooner. Now all I had to do was make it to Saturday. Make it to the prom. Tuesday evening was the first dress rehearsal for The Sound of Music, which would be performed on Friday night. Everyone was tense, as they always are at a dress. Only at this dress, everyone was really tense. For one thing, it was hard to walk around the stage without thinking about Alana. It was especially hard for me. I kept picturing how she had looked, sprawled face down in the middle of the floor. Come on, Robbie was yelling. Let's get this show on the road or we'll be here all night. I was busy for checking the props on the small table I had set up in the wings when Dawn came up behind me. Her heavy pancake makeup made her look very weird off stage. Has Justin tried to see you again? She asked me. No. Dawn stared at the stage, biting her lip hard. Only four days to go. I know. I can't wait for the prom to be over. I know how you feel. Dawn said, Maybe we should bag it now and get out of town. Would Kevin let us stay with him in Alabama? I suddenly remembered. How could I have forgotten? Hey, guess what? I have a date after all. Kevin can come. For a moment, the tension broke. Dawn whooped and clapped me on the back. That's great! I shrugged. I'm so frightened and upset right now, I can't really enjoy it. I mean, think about it, Dawn. If someone is killing the prom queens, there isn't much time left. I know, Dawn said, her eyes watering as she squeezed my hand. Places, everyone, shrieked Robbie from the auditorium. Break a leg, I told Dawn. Am I sweating? Yeah. This stupid makeup, she complained. It's so hot and it gives me zits. Abruptly, she reached out and gave me a hug. I could feel her heart pounding. Then Dawn, Sister Maria Rogers, hurried off to start the show. Okay, listen up, Robbie called from the auditorium when we were all set to start. This time, no matter what happens, don't stop. We're going to get all the way through this show for once. Then we began. Dress rehearsals are supposed to go badly. It's an old theater tradition. Bad dress, good show, actors always say. If that was true, we were headed for one of the greatest productions in the history of Shadyside High. Everything went wrong. Nuns kept entering at the wrong time. The Reverend Mother walked right into the Captain's house in the middle of a scene. People dropped lines left and right and improvised crazy new ones. There were long, horrible pauses during which everyone on stage just stared at everyone else in bewilderment. But Dawn was probably the most uptight. She kept referring to the housekeeper as the baroness and mixing up all the names of the Von Trapp children. It was the first time we'd practiced with the band instead of just the pianists. That went about as badly as every other part of the show. The musicians were either way behind the singers or far out in front. It was like a race where the lead keeps changing over and over again. I made my sheriff bloopers, I have to admit. When Sister Maria quit her governess job and ran back to the Abbey, I pulled on the wrong rope. A flat came flying in and almost beamed dawn again. When it was finally finished, Robbie called the whole cast on stage. Okay, he said. I hope you got that out of your system, because that was the worst production of The Sound of Music in the history of the theater. Oh, come on, Robbie! the freshman playing Gretel called. It wasn't the worst. Yeah, Robbie, said the captain, pulling off his fake mustache. At least we made it through the whole thing. And we're all exhausted, the Baroness chimed in. Okay, okay, sorry. Robbie came up on stage. I guess I'm exhausted too. He took off his glasses and rubbed his eyes. You're right, he said. We'll pull it all together. I know we will. He stared down at the pages and pages of notes in his hand. You know what? You all deserve a break. I'm going to give these notes tomorrow. Everybody go home now and get a good night's sleep. There is a cheer from the cast. Not much of a cheer. Everyone was feeling pretty tired. The actors all trooped toward the two dressing rooms to start slathering on cold cream to get all that awful makeup off their faces. It always took me longer than anybody else to get everything squared away after rehearsal. First, I had to hunt down all the props the actors hadn't remembered to return to the prop table. Then I had to take the props back up to the prop room. Then I had to pull up all the drop sets and make sure they were secure. I was on my second trip to the prop room when I noticed that the closet door was slightly ajar. I was positive I had left it closed tight. I hadn't opened that door since the last time I had noticed it was open. So that meant that somebody else had been up there. I froze. And then a voice behind me said, Hey. It was Justin. He was blocking the doorway, leaning against the door frame, staring at me with those pale blue eyes. He looked as nervous as he had the night before. So, he began in a fake movie voice, we meet at last. Justin, there were still people there, I reassured myself, and if I screamed, they'd hear me. I don't know, Lizzie, call me crazy, but I've been getting the feeling you're avoiding me. That's crazy, but the thing is, I haven't asked you what I came to ask you last Friday night. Should I make a run for it, screaming? There was about four feet separating us, maybe he'd be so surprised I could break through. Too late, he had started to move toward me slowly. His face seemed so tense. His hands were shoved deep in his pockets. Did he have a knife? What I wanted to know, he said, is if you had a date for the prom. I stared at him in amazement. Well, don't look so shocked. I know you're a little mad at me and think I'm an egomaniac and everything, but the fact is, well, you're asking me to the prom, I said. He grinned sexily. right. I began to breathe again. You're asking me to the prom? I said again. He laughed. Well, yeah. I laughed too. So that's why he had been so nervous. Nervous about asking me to the prom. I couldn't help it. I felt great. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you. It's just... Justin came a little closer. Hey, he said softly. What do you say? Lizzie, are you up there? A voice called up from the stage below. It was dawn. I moved toward the door. Justin followed. I'll be down in a second, I called back. I shut the prop room door behind me. Then Justin and I moved along the catwalk. Uh, listen, I said quietly. I can't go. Justin's face fell. I'm sorry. I'm really flattered, actually. But Kevin, I just found out. He got permission. He could come after all. Oh, Justin seemed really disappointed. That's great. We looked at each other awkwardly for a moment. Then he said, well, then he went down the ladder first. I followed. Hi, Dawn, he said when he got down to the stage. She was in black jeans and a pastel green tank top. I could see that she had left plenty of makeup around her eyes. See you around, he told me and sauntered off as casually as he could. Dawn was staring at me with fear in her eyes. What's going on? I smiled. I told her what Justin had wanted. He asked you to the prom? Dawn beamed. No, I don't believe it. It annoyed me a little that she would be so surprised. What's so strange about that? Nothing, Dawn began poking me in the ribs. So, so, what did you say? I told him I'm going with Kevin. She seemed disappointed and lost interest in the subject. I forgot about that, so are you almost done? Five more minutes, I said. She picked up my leather bomber jacket, which I left on a chair. Isn't it a little hot for this? She said, trying it on. It's spring, remember? Then how come I'm always cold? Roger Brownmiller, who was playing Uncle Max came out of the dressing room, and called to Dawn. You coming? He was the last person besides us backstage. I'm going to wait for Lizzie, she said. Don't get down on yourself, he told her as he left. Thanks, Dawn said. She watched him go, then turned back to me. You wouldn't believe how many people have been telling me not to commit suicide or anything. Was I that bad? We all stunk, I said. Thanks a lot, Dawn said. She slumped out onto the stage. Hurry up, she called, zipping my jacket up and down. It gives one the creeps being here all alone. I wish she hadn't said that. I had been concentrating so hard on the show that I had forgotten to be nervous for a couple of hours. Suddenly, the fact that we were all alone in the semi-dark auditorium came home to me. I remembered Alana. All the other bad memories were far behind. I'm almost done, I called. I couldn't see Dawn now, and she didn't answer. Dawn? I said. Please don't play games. I can't handle it. This time, she answered me. She answered with a blood-curdling scream. CHAPTER Twenty-One. I raced out onto the brightly lit stage. No Dawn. Then I heard someone thrashing around to my right. I whirled around. It was hard for me to believe what I was seeing. All the way on the other side of the theater, in the darkness of the wings, somebody was wrestling with Dawn. "'Dawn!' I yelled. I started to run toward them. Dawn and the man were fighting desperately now both figures a blur in the shadows. But I could see that the man had on a baseball cap and a maroon baseball jacket. Stop! I screamed. As I gaped at them, my mind went into overdrive. Who is it, I wondered, who was fighting with Dawn? The man was too silent to be Lucas. I remember thinking that as I ran. Justin? And then I saw a flash of steel. He had a knife. Dawn gasped as she saw it, too. She and her attacker were locked together now like some strange kind of statue. Both had their eyes on the knife. Dawn was trying to hold the man's hand back. With all his might, the man was trying to bring his hand down. The man was winning. His hand was slowly coming down toward Dawn. Closer. Closer. The tip of the knife drew closer and closer to Dawn. No! I screamed and raced forward, and fell flat on my face. I had tripped over a thick black lighting cable. I smacked down hard on the floor. The wood coming up to meet my head and cheek with the force of a baseball bat. My head throbbing, I climbed dizzily to my feet. Just then, Dawn screamed again. The killer had won. He had brought the knife all the way down and buried it in Dawn's chest. I was too late. Dawn's grip on the killer's arm slowly relaxed. She collapsed to the floor and lay in an unmoving heap. The killer stood there a moment looking down at Dawn. Then he turned toward me, his eyes locked with mine and then he stepped out of the shadows. He was still holding the knife. It was stained with blood now. Dawn's blood. He stepped quickly toward me as I backed up on the brightly lit stage. I finally saw who it was. Chapter 22 Simone, I guessed. But we thought... You thought I was dead, Simone sneered. Sure, you were all eager to think I was dead, weren't you? No, I... But I couldn't afford to be dead, Lizzie. I had too much to do. I scuttled back across the stage. She followed me. I staged my own disappearance, Simone said, her eyes flashing, her mouth twisting in anger. I staged the whole thing. I knew my parents wouldn't care if I disappeared. And you want to know why? Because nobody cares about me. Nobody. That's not true, I began. Shut up, she cried, cutting me off. She raised the bloody knife, menacing me with it. My parents never cared about me. All they cared about were their golf scores and their martinis. Justin didn't care, either. He just used me. Nobody cared. Nobody. I kept moving backward. I don't understand, I managed to say. Why kill the prom Queens? I mean, it's not like you really ever wanted— Simone laughed scornfully. She took off her baseball cap and dramatically tossed back her long, dark hair. Prom Queens? She said. Who cares about that? How stupid can you be? I'm not killing the prom queens. I'm killing everyone who betrayed me, everyone who sneaked out with Justin. But, Simone, I began. Give up, Lizzie, she said. You can't talk your way out of this one. I had backed up all the way across the stage. I was about to step back into the stage left wing. I didn't want to step into the darkness, but I had no choice. Simone was still coming toward me. I tried to make him care about me, Simone said, whipping back her hair with a violent toss of her head, when I couldn't. I decided to punish him, to make him feel the pain I was feeling, by killing every girl he sneaked out with. I think he's figured out what's going on, at least I hope so. Simone laughed. Wearing Justin's baseball jacket with my hair tucked into this cap, I looked just like one of the guys, don't you think? You walked right past me at the movies and didn't even recognize me. But where have you been hiding? I asked, desperately trying to keep Simone talking. In heaven, Simone said coldly. She jabbed her bloody knife upward. I'm serious, I insisted. So am I, she said grinning. I've been staying in the prop room over the stage. It's really very cozy, and the cafeteria provided me all the food I needed. Anyway, I'll be leaving soon. My work is almost finished. I'll make up some kind of story about being kidnapped and go home. You know what a good actress I am, Lizzie. Everyone will believe me. She moved slowly toward me. What do you want with me? I said. I've never been out with Justin. She laughed. That's such a lie, she said. It really is amazing the things people will say when they're scared. Her face turned furious again. I was there, she snarled. I heard him ask you to be his date to the prom. Okay, I said lamely. He asked me, but I said no. Is that so? Now why don't I believe that for a single second? You're next, Lizzie. Sorry. I thought you were my friend, but you were only pretending. You didn't care about me, either. You're just like all the others. My mind was racing, what was she thinking? Get in her head, I ordered myself. Maybe she was thinking, I can't stop now, there's no turning back. Simone, I said, when you're caught, they're going to put you away for a very long time. You know that, don't you? Why don't you stop now? Before you have more blood on your hands, you'll only make it worse. Simone raised a knife in the air. I'm not going to be caught, she said, because the only one who knows my secret is about to disappear. She started toward me again. I stepped back, but I was up against the cement wall. There was nowhere to turn, nowhere to hide. Then I felt them. The ropes for the drop sets were tied off right by my left hand. I glanced at them. One of the ropes would bring down a sandbag right in front of me. But which one? Which one? I'd only have one chance. Frantically, I chose one of the ropes. Taking a deep breath and closing my eyes, I yanked on it with all my might. Chapter Twenty Three. I opened my eyes as Simone charged toward me. At the same moment the heavy sandbag plummeted down. It was the right rope! The bag crashed between us. It landed with a cracking sound. It took a long moment for the pain to register in Simone's face. Then she began to scream. The cracking sound. It had to have been Simone's foot breaking under the weight of the bag. Simone dropped a knife and fell to the floor, writhing in pain. Crying out from the effort, she wrenched her foot out from under the sandbag. She reached out for her foot, but it was too painful. She grabbed her face with her hands instead and lay down on the floor. She lay perfectly still. The screaming had stopped. There was total, eerie silence. I waited, trying to catch my breath. Then I moved slowly toward her. Was the actress faking it again? A few steps closer and I knew her screams had been real. Her foot was twisted at a right angle beneath her. I grabbed a knife off the floor and pointed it at Simone's prostrate body. I was shaking, hysterical, but Simone didn't move. She looked up at me, her eyes filled with agony and pleading. The pain, she moaned faintly. The pain. Then she closed her eyes, her head lulled back onto the floor. She had blacked out. I stood staring at her for a moment before I came to my senses. Simone was going nowhere, not with that foot. I ran across the stage. Dawn, I yelled. There was no answer. But as I ran toward her, I thought I saw Dawn move. Dawn! I fell to the floor next to her, dropping the knife. Dawn, we're safe. We're safe. Oh, please be okay. Dawn, can you hear me? Dawn! Dawn raised her eyes to me. Then she opened her mouth as if to say something, but no sound came out. I'm going to get help, I told her. I'll be right back. I'll wait, Dawn said. I stared back at her, stunned. Had I really heard right? Had she made a joke? You're going to be okay, I said. I turned to go. And that's when she got me. Simone's face was just inches from mine. She squeezed her hands around my neck, choking me, her long nails cut into my skin. I didn't have time to scream. She dragged my head down. Choking, I fell backward, over Dawn. Simone was on top of me now, squeezing my throat, crying out from her efforts. I tried to pry her hands off my neck, but I had no strength left in my arms. I was about to black out. Suddenly, Simone uttered a yelp of surprise. Her grasp around my neck loosened instantly. Choking, sputtering, I struggled to fill my lungs with air, holding my hands to my neck. Still screaming, Simone crawled off me. I saw what had happened now. I saw blood pouring down Simone's leg. I saw the knife fall from Dawn's hand. She had stabbed Simone in the leg. As I desperately tried to catch my breath, Simone died for the knife. N-no! I stammered hoarsely. But Simone grabbed it, let out a scream of fury, and raised the knife over her head. I was on my feet now. I dived at Simone. We fell over with a crash and the knife flew out of her hands and skittered out onto the half-lit stage. We began wrestling, tumbling over and over. Simone grabbed a handful of my hair and yanked with all her might. I screamed and went down. As I tried to recover, Simone punched me in the stomach, hard. I curled up to protect myself, but then I realized she wasn't coming after me. She was hobbling away, out onto the stage, desperate to get the knife. Summoning my last ounce of strength, I lunged blindly and tackled her from behind. She screamed again, My leg! My leg! This time the agony sounded even greater, but I didn't let go. I held both her hands behind her back as tightly as I could, and then I started to scream. I was still holding her tight when Mr. Santucci finally ran in. His face was filled with alarm and disbelief. I was still holding tight minutes later when the police and paramedics he summoned came rushing in. Finally, as they gently urged me away, I let go of Simone. My clothes were soaked with blood, but none of it was mine. I glanced down at Dawn on her back on the stage floor. She was still wearing my leather jacket. One of the paramedics quickly unzipped it, revealing her stab wound. I gasped at the sight of it. The medic glanced up at me. It doesn't look bad, he said. Dawn let out a relieved sigh. Can you hear me? I asked. Dawn managed to nod. The paramedic quickly began taping on a large cotton bandage. "'Looks like this jacket helped protect you,' he told her. I forced myself to smile at Dawn. "'Hear that? It pays to dress warmly.' Dawn was pale as a ghost, but she smiled back. "'See you at the prom,' she said. Chapter 24 Kevin held me close for another slow dance. I rested my head on his shoulder. The perfume of the gorgeous Gardenia corsage pinned to my dress wafted up. When the music stopped, Kevin smiled down at me, his green eyes twinkling. I don't know about you, he said, but this is one prom I'm never going to forget. That's for sure, I agreed. I had different reasons in mind than Kevin did. We were walking hand in hand off the dance floor now, past the two bulletin boards the prom committee had set up in memorial for Rachel and Alana. Kevin caught my glance. He said, I think it's great what Mr. Brant did, donating the prom queen money for a college scholarship in their honor, he took my hand. I can't believe what you've been through, he said. I looked across the vast ballroom of the Halsey Manor house to where Dawn stood talking to several cute-looking guys. We had abandoned the whole prom queen idea. But Dawn was still the queen of this party. She couldn't help it. The music started again, and Kevin pulled me back toward the dance floor. I spotted Lucas Brown dancing with Sherry Paulson. Perfect. She was as weird as he was. But he looked happy for once. He finally had a date. Moments later, Dawn danced by me with one of her many boys. She stared admiringly at my dress. I was wearing the black, sexy one we had fought over at Ferrara's. Dawn had insisted I wear it instead of her. You know what? she said, leaning close. It looks better on you. You're just saying that to be nice, right? I asked skeptically. Right, she replied, and quickly danced away. This has been a Nightfall Audiobooks production of The Prom Queen by R.L. Stein, a Fear Street novel, book 15. Well, that about does it for The Prom Queen. I gotta say, I never thought that Simone was going to be the killer at the end there. Pretty good story. Had some nice kills. I liked the thing with the sandbag and stuff coming down at the end there and smushing Simone's leg. I don't know how she managed to get around with her leg being bent at a 90-degree angle, but I guess adrenaline gave her all the help she needed to try to kill Lizzie. This is typical Fear Street fare. It doesn't have a whole lot of tropes in it. No one drinks orange juice to become superpowered. The police seem to be pretty confident in Side. They're doing their job. They did pretty thorough investigations on everything. They didn't say who they were suspecting. One thing is for sure, Justin is a total creep. That dude will ask anybody out that he wants, and I guess that's a typical high school trope. And then you have Lucas Brown, who just creeps everybody out and tries way too hard because he's socially awkward. Overall, this is a pretty good book. Score? I don't know. I might give it like a 6. 6 out of 10. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't say it's classic Fear Street. But it does some things that are right, and it does some things that are just okay. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, you can write me an email, nightfallaudiobooks at gmail.com. I am also on YouTube, Nightfall Audiobooks. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell whoever you might think would like to listen to me, read to them Fear Street novels. Thank you very much for listening, and have a good day.